One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana. The host asked me if I had a nickname. Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King. She said on the air I started giggling. Hasn't had me back, but now I've got this podcast. Welcome to my podcast. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. My name's Charles Ellsworth, and you're listening to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. If you're not familiar with me, that's all right. You're definitely not the only one. I'm a songwriter first, musician second, somewhere down the line filmmaker. Pretty much I just like to tell stories. Some people have called me a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and I'm definitely semi-professional at everything I do. Nothing single-handedly makes me a living, but it all adds up to getting by. Yeah, let's, uh, what, what should I call you? The... This is uh, my friend uh, Jericho Davidson. What's up, y'all? And uh, he's the, <laughs> the Tucson Diamondback himself. That's me, yeah. The, the Reverend. The, uh, the Tucson Twister, that's what someone Twister, called me. Twister, yeah. The mayor of Tucson. The mayor of Tucson that hasn't lived there in... Uh, seven or eight years at this yeah. point. But yeah. you're still kind of the mayor. Yeah, no, I mean, I still do good there. I do good work. Yeah, you still appreciate me. Honorary mayor. Still got the key. Well, I'm still there. I'm there like four times a year, usually at least. Under, I mean, pre corona. Yeah, yeah. Pre corona, I was there at least four times a year. Just, you know, the shows, when I do shows there, motherfuckers come out. It's great. And that's like, I don't think a lot of people realize how like amazing it is to have that in a city oh it's it's like a it's like a recharge for your battery it's yeah. like a shot of adrenaline in the arm yeah and like especially as i don't think a lot of people don't realize also as you get older how hard it is to have that in a city yeah because all the people that were like down to party with you when you were in your 20s or whatever and like they've all got kids and it's like wednesday yeah. and they're not they're like oh, sorry dude like i'd love <laughs> to see you but like I'm not gonna make it out so yeah, that's a weird trip about like being an artist and playing shows. I don't know how it is for you, but I'm assuming from all the conversations we have, it's pretty similar. But you've just been on this kind of the same trajectory for all of your adult life, really. Yeah. And you, as you go and as time goes on, you see like your friends are on completely different trajectories. Like, you know, I go back home and it's like the people that come to my, my friends don't, my friends, like the people I grew up with, they don't come to my shows. Yeah. Because they all, like you said, they all have jobs and kids. Maybe if I do a show on a Friday and they get a sitter, yeah. they can come. Or or one of them comes, you know, the, the the couples don't come, you know. Yeah, one of them's got to stay with the kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's weird to just be getting older but still just doing the same thing. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> the, it's kind of like starting to hit me more and more. Like I'm starting to notice like I'm losing some of my hair and, you know, like lots of gray hairs and stuff like that. And it's like. And you're still like trying to be like a, a rock star. Like yeah. it's like well, you, not, you you can't look at it that way. Other or you know you, you got not, not even like a rock star necessarily. It's like I'm just trying to oh blue collar musician. <laughs> That's all I yeah. want. You know, it's like if I can make enough money to sleep in a bed and eat some food and make it to the next town, I'm usually pretty happy. Yeah, I never needed a whole lot. If I can get like a couple people to give me a high five afterwards, maybe buy me a drink and tell me how great I am, I feel pretty good. Yeah, that's uh it's pretty it's a pretty low standard what sometimes <laughs> I'm like that's all I need to make me like turn turn like a tour around. 
I try and tell that to like friends when I see them on tour or whatnot, or you can yeah. see someone's like beaten down. It's just like, just remember the only thing it takes for you to feel a hundred percent better about this is like 10 people in a living room. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's like such a minimal thing that for me is like, fuck yeah, I could do this for another month. You yeah. Know? It's like, it's like those, um, little wins. Yeah. Those little wins here and there. It's kind of what keeps you afloat with anything, you know? Oh, for sure. Like even just the other day, uh, Doug Stanhope liked one of my tweets. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that that's I, I got me through that day at least." Yeah, you know, because it's like dope. like little things like that, or like yeah, like someone like hitting me up, just being like, "Oh, I I saw this and I thought about you," or this reminded me of one of your bits. This is oh, my friend uh, texted me a buddy of mine I worked with. It's been at least. We're going on like at least double digit years since I worked with this guy. Yeah. And he te- sent me a text. He sent me a Facebook message that literally said, "Is like, I know it's been almost decades yeah. since I talked to you or seen you, but I just wanted to let you know my daughter found my old iPod and started listening to one of your songs and started singing along and said it's her favorite song. Whoa. That happened when I was driving back to New York and I'm just like it was totally out of the blue and it was like, Oh, that's fucking awesome, you know? Dude, that's uh yeah, that's the that's the that's the fuel. That's the jet fuel. Yeah. That you need like it's it's so weird that it it can be such a simple thing, like a video of like someone sending me this is my 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 toddler dancing to one of your songs. Yeah. Or yeah, it, it's 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 a wild thing. Like uh the concept of for years, it kind of fucked me up. Cause like a lot of, it's like really weird what we do. Like, and like when I, for people that aren't musicians or comedians or whatnot, like Jericho and I kind of like right out of high school in a lot of ways yeah. have just been both on the road doing some form of comedy or, or, or music. And, um, that's not very normal. Like most, no. most of my friends by 25 were like, okay, I'm going to do something else or music's a thing that they like, they, they'd like to do more of, yeah. but they can't, you know? And then at some point, not just, not because I'm good or, or like that great or anything, but I became like a source of inspiration for some of those friends, which was like, which used to kind of fuck me up Yeah. when people would be like, dude, what you're doing is really cool and it means a whole lot and like keep doing it. And I'd be like, who the fuck am I? Yeah. You know, and then you be you start to hear that as you get older, and it's like, oh, that's that's cool. That's a, I don't know. Just sticking with it is a success in a, in a way. Yeah, you know, I because I've noticed that too. I've seen the same thing. It's like people way more talented than me in every aspect. Oh yeah, for sure. Music, comedy, um, any weird thing that I'm doing, you know. There's people who are all, way more talented, but I'm just the stubborn bastard that yeah. kept doing it. Oh, yeah. That's the truth. And it's so cool. Like, it happens. I've been having a lot with comedy because, like, you know, the last few years up until this year, I was doing both. Yeah. Pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. And that was awesome. I was touring with the band and touring with comedy. And it was like, I really was enjoying it because I, I love the overlap. Uh-huh. Like, I'd go to a town and be like, oh, I saw your band and I heard you were here for this. And that shit is so cool, you know, yeah. like the overlap. But it's like I've had like old friends that are like, oh, man, I remember you were just the funniest kid in high school, you know, and now we're here watching you do comedy, you know, and I was like, 
remember that time you stuck your balls on Aaron's forehead? I was like, hey, that's comedy, I guess, you know? I, yeah. We, we've come a long way, I kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's still... For me sticking my balls on someone's forehead. Yeah, I mean, that's a... It's, it's a different, much different climate now. Um. <laughs> of course. I'm 40 years old, man. That was the, the 90s were, were the Wild West wild compared West. to now. Oh, man. That's so <laughs> You funny. could just pull your dick out at a party and you'd be the funnest guy in the room. <laughs> and that's all you had to do. It was like, oh, oh, look, cool. Jericho's got his dick out. We're having a great time. Yeah. No, I guess it's a com- like that comedy writers just kind of were fucking coasting back then. You know, like oh. Friends is. Yeah, there was so, it was so many easy. There's so easy to get a laugh. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I remember one time, I, one of my very best friends, I won't name his name because he's, like, a professional nowadays, but I just remember big party. It was at my house, and uh, I look over, and he's just got lettuce. He's butt naked, and he's just got lettuce in his ass. Like, he stuck the end of a piece of lettuce up his ass, and he's just walking around with lettuce out of, hanging out of his ass. It was, a, it was the fucking funniest thing I've ever oh seen God. in my life. And, but everyone was having fun. Yeah. There were a hundred people there, men, women, every, everything in between, you know, yeah. it was, a, and everybody was having a great time. Nobody was offended. And if anybody was offended, they were just like, ah, oh, you're fucking gross. Yeah. No, that, I mean, I remember being at some of those, those like, I mean, it's college kids are probably still doing it, but like I would parties at so, Tempe right? where it just like, <laughs> before you know it, like everybody that was at the party is naked and in the pool just cause everybody's drunk yeah, and it's hot fun. out. Definitely marketing to fifteen-year-old men. Um, yeah, the uh, still my target fucking demo demographic. Fifteen-year-old men. Yeah. Oh yeah, sad boys are like the, the people that love my music, which is like it's 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 fine because I've been like a lifelong sad boy. I'm just barely trying to graduate out of that and be like, okay, I'm so, I'm tired of. I don't want sad to be like the thing I'm known for, you know, I'm kind of bored you know, but when with you that. do it. Well, when you have a gift. Yeah. But then when you quit drinking and you realize like the majority of the sad comes from like the, the liquid sad that you're yeah. drinking every that, day and you're the, like uh, the gallons of depressant that you're yeah. putting into your oh, body every night. Good God. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh, I'm actually not that sad of a person. I just <laughs> my, really my... dig towns Van Zant and like booze. <laughs> There is some. There's something I do love. Sad, sad boy music. There's something so cathartic about it. I'm not even. I like I said. I'm not that sad. Yeah, you're either, one but, of the mo- more jovial people I know. <laughs> and I'm. But I. But every once in a while, you know, late at night, you're like, oh man, it's just, it's, it's so cathartic. You want to just listen to. You're like, yeah, fuck yeah, that did suck. Oh man, I. That's <laughs> the other night. So Jericho and I are roommates. Those of you listening, that the, the three of you listening that don't know both of us. Um, <laughs> We're roommates, and the other night, I'm, like, in the bathroom, like, brushing my teeth or something like that. It's late at night, and I hear Jason Isbell coming from, like, behind me. And we, we're, our rooms are right next to each other. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, shit, I left Jason Isbell playing on my computer, and everybody's trying to sleep. And so, like, I finish brushing my teeth and rush out to turn it off, and, I'm, and I realize it's coming from Jericho's room, and I'm just like, fuck yeah, Jericho. Fuck yeah. Hey, man, those are good songs. Oh man, he's he's. There's there's common thread. There's common threads. I feel like in anything, you know, like oh for sure. You're like love and loss and yeah, all that well, shit. And very few people do what he does as well as oh, he yeah. does. He's right got now. a he's got a uh, the the craft dialed in pretty hard. It's pretty it's it's on it's pretty next level. It's, it's pretty like cool. listening to Chappelle do stand up. 
Yeah. You might not agree with it, or you might it might be seem sloppy at times, but you're like, he just got such a grasp on the craft of telling a joke, you know? Oh yeah, I that that was the, I mean, of Chappelle watching that eight. 846 the yeah. other day that was very much just like fuck like he I don't know yeah he he definitely gets a point across that he's definitely got some problematic things throughout yeah. his history that I'm you know well um, no it's just one of those things it's like he's also 50 years old and been a celebrity since he was 20 so yeah well and he was someone who was doing like real good comedy in the 90s mm-hmm. you know like it wasn't it wasn't the easy laughs I don't think no and he's like I mean, I've heard, I think it was him or maybe Neil Brennan were like kind of embarrassed of, uh, um, shit, what's the movie they did? Half-Baked. Half-Baked, you know, and they're like, and I'm just like, oh, you guys were like 20, yeah, 22, like. I, do you ever listen to like those records you made when you were that old? Oh, yeah. I, every <laughs> once in a while I'll go back and listen to old records and it's like, and now I can finally listen. I've never really liked anything I've made. I just yeah. didn't want to do anything else besides make shit. It's like a weird <laughs> thing when you I, hate I, yourself I, totally under, <laughs> I understand I'm also here yeah <laughs> I yeah. got like 1300 on my SATs <laughs> I'm still here oh, man. <laughs> I had some free rides scholarship money for college and I'm still fucking here I didn't go yeah well I'm the asshole that like put put a $50,000 like roadblock in front of himself in five years <laughs> before chasing a career as a songwriter <laughs> like fuck like yeah, yeah, right? yeah that's a whole other thing but uh but you know, like it's a compulsion that leads you to do it for this long. Like if you could yeah. do anything else in the world, you'd be doing it. Yeah, there comes a point, and especially like the more you get out there, the more you meet other people like that. That's just the thing. It's like you just kind of have to do it. Yeah. You know, and I that's why like I I do so many different things because I don't know exactly what it is that I have to do, but I know yeah. that I have to do something. Totally. You know, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird life. And, you know, like I said, pre-corona, it kind of seemed like comedy was becoming more of that thing. Yeah. We'll see what happens when this all is, For sure. settles down. I don't, I mean, who knows, you know. So, can you tell me, sorry to interrupt, but. No, like, you're good. Can you tell me, like, because we keep talking about it, and that's kind of what the podcast is about in a lot of ways. Like, whatever it is, yeah. you know, like. Being on the road, chasing a career in comedy, like whether like you're a YouTuber, or you're an entrepreneur, like there's something that's like for like that makes that compulsion that makes people want to do whatever that thing is. Yeah. What like when did that start for you or what is like what does your early life look like in relation to music or comedy? It started like I mean, it started like right away, pretty much it like freshman year of high school. I dove in. Okay deep it's like because i was i was playing music before Mm -hmm. that a little bit yeah you know but like i remember it was freshman year of high school and i like super outcast kid like every like we all are you know yeah and i was huge too i was like already by then i was over six feet tall oh wow 250 like a big boy but i hated sports yeah and that was just younger life ruined that for me young you know because they threw me in sports way too early when sports sucks. sports sucks for, so if i had anything else to do in my hometown <laughs> i probably wouldn't have done sports right there was nothing else to do but i'm like built for it you yeah. know like i like that's it's, when you're when you're young and big like that everyone pushes that on you oh for sure and i didn't like it you know i my dad wasn't around and i'm like an art i like have an artistic spirit you know yeah. I, I don't like i didn't like 
hurting people and I also didn't like getting hurt. Yeah. When conforming to doing like that thing is like difficult. Yeah. My, and my dad was never around. So it was like, I wasn't used to getting that screamed at coach mentality. Yeah. Like the poke in the chest, scream at you. That never worked for me because my mom's not like that. My mom's just a sweet, super sweet, supportive lady. Yeah. So that like I didn't. So I got to high school and I was like, you know, I was like, I had no friends and I was just a big mongoloid kid and I was, you know, I was like quiet and weird and uh, you know, that's it's like the same time I started doing like drugs a little bit. Like you know, only people that let me hang out were like the black girls smoking weed under the bleachers. Oh hell yeah! That in my mind they were, seemed like adults, but really they were like probably seventeen or eighteen, and I was just fourteen. You know. Yeah. I would just wish I had smoked weed at 14. <laughs> right? I'm like glad I didn't, but I wish I had. <laughs> but, you know, then it was like I met a few guys, other outcast guys, and we just started playing music, and it was like instant. And I was like, oh, this is it. This yeah. is what I'm going to do forever. And did you just start with drums? Were you like, or you said you had already played drums <laughs> I was. Before. I had been playing guitar, but it's like, you know, that, I don't know, this is the 90s. This is like early 90s. And, uh, but it's me like and for my, you it was like the Nirvana thing. And then when I was in high school, it was like the shins. Yeah, exactly. Like, like everyone's playing the guitar, but it's just like different shit. <laughs> yeah. It was exactly the Nirvana thing. It was like the grunge and all that 90s stuff. And everyone was playing guitar. And I remember there were like three dudes that were really good for, we, you know, my became my friends and we all had guitars and it was really, it was literally like, well, we all have guitars. And one guy was like, oh, my uncle has a bass. He'll let me use. And they're like, Jericho, you look like you hit stuff really hard. You play drums. Okay. <laughs> and so that's how it started with yeah, that. Totally. And then just kind of stuck. And I just, I was, I ended up being better at drums than guitar. You know, I can tinker on guitar, but I'm good at the drums. Yeah, you know? definitely. You've so. got like a very, like a internal rhythm. When I watch you play, it's, it seems like very natural. Like it, it's yeah. like a, it's like another part of you, you know, not like it's super calculated. Yeah. Um, and so then that started and then we like instantly like out of high school, I, I didn't really mess around with college right away with anything, but a couple of the other guys did. So we were just start, instantly started touring like on the breaks. Okay. So this is all the same dudes you were playing with in high same, school. Like there was a, a couple switches, but like the core group same. Okay. Yeah. And so we started touring like literally like 20 years old. Oh, yeah. And what was the name of that band? That band was called Chongo Malo. Chongo Malo. Yeah, you've told me about that. Yeah. So we just like instantly, it was like, okay, on all these breaks. And this was like back when you had to find the address. We'd get like the Musician's Atlas or a Maximum Rock and Roll. They yeah. would put that at the end of the year. Yeah. And you'd get the address and you'd have to send a physical press kit. Like a demo to, tape. To, like a demo tape to some random address and then call blindly people motherfuckers weren't even doing email back then yeah yeah and so you'd call them blindly like over and over and try to get gigs you know and just uh, somehow we string tours together and we found little pockets of punk rock communities and like it was crazy I, I found all this stuff when i was cleaning out um my storage unit but like the old rolodex of like Al albuquerque yeah. and then like the all the venues and the people who booked them at the time and places we played and like all these towns and I just remember like I had a landline till I was like 25 but we we got a cell phone and we all shared it because it was free long distance so oh, we yeah. could call these bookers and these clubs you know it's because it was expensive to do it on the landline yeah so we got a cell phone and the 
the band was paying for it to share to make phone call booking phone calls. Oh my god! When we were trying to do these tours, you know, we were so fucking broke. Oh yeah, it was like I look back on it now and I'm like, man, we're lucky it didn't wasn't nothing awful happened. Yeah, the the little bit of touring I did at that age was was like a it was like the MySpace era. So yeah, it was still MySpace made it, it felt so much easier. I I mean I was like the dr- driving force. I was the bass player slash manager. Like I was the shittiest yeah. guitar player that could like book shows. Yeah, and like um, and MySpace was the only way I could like I made those tours happen, and I like single handedly booked like all the tours that band did. Yeah, maybe I think Ian helped me with a couple our drummer, but. And then I met, I've met, I was like, I'm like this weird in-between generation that was like not quite YouTube, Facebook, all of that stuff, but like had the MySpace thing. And then you were like, it's, uh, it's been, it's just interesting to be kind of this bridge generation because I meet these other musicians that like tell me about like the the musician's atlas and they're like, oh man, you'd have to like call and send a demo tape and yeah. And, um, I don't know. It's. I like to think like I wonder if I would still have kept doing it if it had been that. Like, did you have like was your band good at helping you with that stuff? Was yeah. It like a oh, team we effort? when we when we were young like that, it was like we were like everybody was in there. Everybody was like uh, on on duty, like firing off emails and phone calls. It was, and then it got to the be the point where like as school became more of a priority, there was a a few of us. Okay. That were doing it. And then, you know, there was like two of us that were doing it. And then, you know, the band kind of fell apart after like 10 years. But it was like, I remember that first tour we did. We uh, we had like a, a Jeep Cherokee yeah. and a pickup truck. Oh, so you'd like, you're we caravanning it. Caravanning it. Because we couldn't fit. Because there were six of us in that band. Yeah. <laughs> God damn, so many crazy shits oh that was so funny that first, but we were so like we had our tucson was such a big support group for us like yeah we started a record label even though we didn't know what we were fucking doing you know and like we like our shows in tucson were outrageous back then yeah like hundreds and hundreds of people we had like so we like we bought a van after that first tour the first big tour we bought a van like a new van Oh wow! Like twenty thousand dollars. Wow! So we had van payments and and insurance, and I was like, none of us really had good jobs, and but we made we made it work. It was wild. Yeah, that's that's impressive. But it's that's also part of the age is like you know people don't have a whole lot going. If they're they're in college, they're looking for something to do when they're not doing college shit. If they're you know like everybody's yeah. just looking for something to do at that age, and if you can get them to come to your shows, it's it's fucking huge that's like like i'm like really glad i didn't get famous at 22 like yeah. i'd be dead for sure there's no i'm shocked i'm not dead yeah well yeah <laughs> even I mean, without the fame you part know? of me getting my shit together the past two years is like i never planned past 30 <laughs> no. you know i was just like and then it's like 30 rolls around and comes and goes and it's like all right well, i guess like let's stick around let's figure this out you know but we were we were so hardcore back then it was so crazy like i remember we Chagamalo lasted like really about I think twelve years. Okay, we were banned, and in that time of touring, I think we got a hotel room three times. Oh wow! And one was after a really bad car accident. We got um, we got T-boned a big ass like seventies pickup truck. T 
T-boned us, fucked the car up, the jackknife the trailer. One like the the poor poor like roadie merch guy. We he would go to the hospital, but he had like a he didn't even he had a sprained foot. Okay, because his foot was like in the little well. Yeah, and we got crushed and uh and that that we we got a hotel room that night and literally like in a, only a handful of times, no time so that we were like so every night we would be like. Hey guys, we don't have a place to stay. If there's anybody out there that wants seven to eight people oh to God. stay at their house, but that's when you get those best, like crazy stories oh, of like the best, the the funny, the weird times, and the and the crazy people. That uh, that t- that one was so crazy when the van got totaled because none of us had any fucking money, yeah, and or credit cards even or anything, and uh, and that was a six week tour, and we were le- a week in, we were le- we were like six days in or something. And uh, we we hired we there was we took it to a mechanic and just had him rig the axle so it could drive, but it was like the frame was fucked. Yeah. So all the windows were smashed out. So we taped all the windows. It was summer, taped all the windows. We made it through almost the rest of the tour. We were two weeks into Canada, and in in Canada or in British Columbia they have a rule that like if a if a if a Mountie deems a vehicle unsafe. They'll impound it till you fix it. Really? And so we got pulled over once, and this guy was like, I, I really need to, I should, you guys shouldn't be on the road. But, you know, you could tell we were just kids, and we were all freaking out. And uh, so he let us go, but the second one, we're like, we need to get the fuck out of Canada. So we rushed back to the States and then finished off the rest of the tour. But fucking, there was only, we all had to go in and out of the driver's side door. Really? So we all had to climb out. And we finished off that tour I like with no money. I remember I went and I stole a bottle of hot sauce from like a Chipotle or something. Oh, yeah. Just because I was like, oh, I can eat anything if there's hot sauce on yeah. it. <laughs> that was one of those ones too where I like, I called my mom, my sweet mom, and I was in Canada and there was still like three weeks left, two weeks left of this tour and I was out of money, like t- totally out. And I was like, hey, mom, I'm, I hate to do this, but can you put some money in my account? I'm fucking broke. I got two more weeks and. We're not making any money in the van. We had to, we spent all our money on fixing the van, and she sent me fifty bucks. I was like, "Sweet, oh, sweet mom," I was like, fifty bucks for three more weeks of oh, being on the man. road." I was like, "Gonna make this. I'm gonna buy some this cup out. of noodles, you know." Oh, that was cup of noodles when I when I discovered that you could just use the hot water tap oh, from a game coffee changer. maker at a gas station. Game changer. Yeah, you don't buy the cup of noodles at the gas station. You buy those at, at Target or Walmart, wherever, where they're <laughs> yeah. like 40 cents a piece. Oh, yeah. And you could put cold water in a cup of noodles and just wait a little bit longer, and it'll get soft. It'll so get soft. If you want to like go for a hike in the summertime, <laughs> just leave it in your car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, these are... These are these are, you know, road-worn tips. Oh, yeah. The cup of noodles, like, walking in, I was like, I'm going to grab some hot water. No, no one ever cares. No Nobody one's ever cares. said no. Walk in. Yeah, I did that because I remember one of the guys in the band who had a better job than me or, or was just not as much of a drunk. <laughs> That's true. I, I spent all my money on booze. Yeah. When when Chongo Mala got to a point where we were doing kind of per diems, yeah. you know, we were doing five bucks a day from the band or whatever. We would pool our money and buy a handle of whiskey and a 30-pack of beer for the van. <laughs> yeah. Like, we were so... We would rage so hard. Oh, yeah. That's that's the... <laughs> that's why it's good that I never had money in my 20s. Oh, yeah. Oh, and any money I did, I blew it on, on booze and, and touring. Yeah. 
you know, and just being reckless and just having so much faith in myself and everybody else that, oh, yeah, we're going to be famous one day. Oh, oh, man. I keep saying, <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like how many um, four-piece bands at some point, like in the, the film Almost Famous, he, he compares <laughs> them to, to the Beatles. Yeah, right. It's like, you know, we're like the Beatles. And then and I didn't see Almost Famous until later later on, but I remember like thinking that about my band was like, yeah, we're like the Beatles. It's like every four piece ever has been oh. like, oh, we're like the Beatles. Exactly. And no, you're not. You're not like the Beatles. You might make some fun music, but there's like, no one been like the Beatles since. There probably won't ever <laughs> there be. Probably won't ever be, especially now. You know, like there's oh, a man. lot of noise to cut through now. It's yeah. so funny thinking about those times and like, you know, all the weird shit and like the weird, oh, almost bad times and like fucking. <laughs> I still reminisce about how great those early tours were, though. Yeah. You know, like, even I think about all the bad times. Like, one time this person, it was outside, of, it was in Oklahoma. Norman or Oklahoma City, I don't remember. Yeah. One of those places. And uh, this guy was like, yeah, you can stay with me. But he, and he's like, we're, as we're pulling up, he's like, I got cats. It's not a big deal. I'm like, no, we're cool. And he was like a cat hoarder. And there were fleas on the floor. So, like, I remember falling asleep on the floor, waking up just with flea bites all over me. Oh, no. And, like, oh, and, like, that smell of cat piss. And I was like, oh, we got to get out of here. Like, shit I wouldn't do now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could afford $40 for a fucking cheap motel. Yeah, I mean, I I sleep in my car before sleeping at a stranger's place now. Because Uh, I'm just, like, because I tour alone. And and I'm, like, I just feel more comfortable. Like, I got a, like, hatchet I keep under my chair. You know, it's, like, someone fucks with me. It's, like, I'll fuck with you. But, like, for the most part, I'm just in, like, a loves parking lot. Like, nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives a shit. It's four other people doing exactly the same thing. Doing the same thing. thing. Yeah. I've So many times I've been laying there, like, half asleep, half awake, trying to sleep, and just being like, where are all these lot lizards that I've heard so much about? <laughs> huh? I want some gnarly, old, toothless sex worker yeah. who needs to be warmed up, because I need to be warmed up. I got money. <laughs> I've got some good... Yeah, I've... I've never seen... In all that time, I've never seen one of these famous lot lizards. Yeah, and I think you look the furthest from a cop of anyone I've ever met. So <laughs> I don't. I think we've this. We've lot lizards aren't real. I don't. I mean, I've never. I've literally spent so many nights in a truck stop, just, and then like I'm, not, I'm not sleeping, so I'm just looking around and see who's coming and going, looking at all the trucks. Yeah. Like I was like, man, what do I got to do? Do I got to do a lap? Am I staying at too nice at truck stops? I don't understand. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, I've never been approached by one either i've uh i've given like rides to hitchhikers but that's that's the only like cliche of the road or whatever you know like i've had a couple hitchhikers that like 10 miles down the road i'm just like this is a bad idea what the fuck was i doing and usually i don't pick up hitchhikers when i'm by myself but when i was younger and i'd travel with other people it was just like (laughs) every once in a while yeah you'd be like yeah go ahead get in we got, I got, I was on a tour and there was, we got, we almost, it was almost a really bad situation. It got scary. Our band and another band shared a tour bus. Oh, okay. It was the only time I've ever done like tour bus touring. And there was a driver and a manager. I literally, the only time in my life I just got to play drums. And it was in, it wasn't even um, Chango Mala, it was another band I didn't even care all that much about. Uh-huh. It was just fun. Yeah. And I, when we were South by Southwest, all nice. of a sudden, we look over and there's this youngish-looking girl in the 
bus with us. And I was like, I was drunk. I just passed out and like came to and we're like some questionable stuff stuff was happening and it was all like consensual and it wasn't like that but i was like hey we're leaving we're going to another we're going to san antonio should i like should i should like maybe she not come with us yeah like we're going like we're not coming back yeah we're not bringing you back and then the uh, next and i was like you know what i'm not i play drums in the opening band like i i'm gonna go in my bunk and go to sleep and i was like i didn't i I felt really at ease and then the next day she was like where are we oh no and i was like oh no oh no and it wasn't like she was everything was cool she was in the san antonio it's like a few hours and she was like oh my i'm gonna go stay with my cousin that was so much fun you guys are great i had a really awesome time thank you yeah well and a lot of times when a a lot of times when someone's hanging out with the band whether it's like a you know, romantic or whatever you want to put it, or just like someone that just wants to party with the band, they're down for like, that's what they expect out of it. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm a letdown most of the time. <laughs> Cause like people, one time I was in El Paso and this is a fucking long story, but essentially a dude I hadn't seen in 10 plus years told me I had a show in El Paso and I show up and he's like, he kept asking me, like never gave me details on it. And like, kept telling me he's like don't worry though like i I got you i got you because he had asked me like what i needed needed for a guarantee and i show up in el paso at the bar that he says that i'm playing at and he's like sorry i couldn't get you a gig but i'm just gonna pay you your guarantee to party with me tonight (laughs) and i I mean that sounds like a dream come true i mean it was it's like it was it wasn't the worst thing ever but imagine like the type of person that would pay you a few hundred dollars yeah. to party with. It's like not, not the type of person I want to like party with. Like, yeah. th- does that make sense? I mean, I'm like not to sound no, like an asshole, no, but no, it's just no. like, it, it it's like, dude, this is like kind of a weird, creepy thing. And <laughs> like, like, why did you have to be so fucking weird about this? You know, yeah. this, and then I was like, at some point, like, okay, well, if we're going to do this, we're going to fucking do this. Let's go to Juarez. Because, yeah. like, why the fuck not? Why and not, and yeah. I'm like, this is it, my sad boy years of drinking a lot and being on tour. And, like, you know, you're like a ghost. It's like, I don't mean anything to anyone and nobody means anything to me because, oh. like, I'm just this drifting spirit from town to town. So if I get murdered in Juarez, like, that's a great country song. Fuck yeah. Like, yeah. let's go. And he, he chickened out. I was like, you motherfucker. Like, That's funny as shit. It kind of pissed me because it's like, yo, you con me into this shit and then you don't really want to party yeah. like a rock star? Fuck off. <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> and if you're listening right now, I appreciate everything you've done for me. But no, I told, you know, I know who it's... you are and that was creepy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't even pay me the full amount. You sold me 50 bucks. <laughs> My Venmo is... <laughs> yeah, Venmo. CL's worth 5'4". <laughs> um... <laughs> No, it's such a weird. I love it. I love being on the road more than anything because it is like it's it's weird way the most focus on what you're doing I've ever been. Yeah, you know, because it's always like okay, I'm gonna party, I'm gonna do all this stuff, but I gotta wake up and I gotta drive to the next town and do the next show. Yeah, there's there. You know? Well, and it's because there's no option of well, at least for me, there's never been an option of like 
not playing the show. Oh, yeah, never. You know, yeah, you always do that. You always play the show. And- yeah, you always show up, and it, that's the that's the shitty thing is like any sh- dirtball promoter can like knows that you're gonna play the show, and then they they'll stiff you, and so you know it's like yeah. it's like but but I'm there to entertain, you know, and like yeah. the money's secondary in a way. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's necessary, and it's like and it it gets real old as an artist to have people think that the money's always secondary because yeah. it's like I gotta fucking eat. But you know, if there's people out there to watch the show, that's like why I've I've lived in this stripped down, <laughs> meager lifestyle for so long is basically to do that fucking show. Yeah. Well, and like, what's the okay? So I talked to a lot of people about this stuff, and what. Like, what do you, what's for you the driving force, do you think? Is there, is it just like, like, I grew up on, like, cowboy novels. And for me, just that idea of, like, like, Louis L'Amour, like, to the far blue mountains. Like, just going off and, and, like, it's an adventure, it's whatever. And that, I think that's kind of where it started. And it's kind of just turned into, like, that's just what I want to be doing most of the time. Or as much as possible. It's so romantic to, like, you know, be a cowboy to be a sailor, yeah. to be an adventurer, you know? And it was like, growing up in the 90s, the adventurers were the rock and roll guys. Yeah. And and that always definitely appealed to me. And I, before, before I, I mean, I started really young, but before I started um, touring and doing that stuff, I never traveled anywhere. I never went anywhere. I never did anything. I never left Arizona. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah, I went on one, I went on a an eighth grade. So I was kind of a smart kid, you know, like I was in gate and all the accelerated programs and shit. Yeah. So in eighth grade, I got, I got, went on a marine biology trip to Catalina Island. Cool. Which is the first time I saw the ocean. In eighth first, grade. In eighth grade. Yeah. The wow. first time I went to California, I live, I live four hours from California. You know, the first time I went to California was with a school trip. We never went anywhere. We went, when I was little, we went to my grandma's house in Kingman. Yeah. That was the only vacation I ever went on, you know? Yeah. And, and so I love, I love traveling. So I love adventure. That for T- you. Touring turned into that. So on the, the breaks I took in between bands and stuff, I just traveled like a motherfucker. Yeah. Went to Asia, went to Central and South America, Mexico, you know, like. Europe, that's like, that's the shit I was doing in between bands. So I was still basically touring and mm-hmm. traveling, but you know, I love the adventure. I love that fucking lifestyle. There's that, like the, the cowboy mentality, that fucking adventuring sailor mentality, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Well, I, I like, I like all that shit. I love the like fucking crazy writers, crazy directors, crazy painters, like people just out there living on the edge of, of society and just. You know, I know I was I'm not I'm not a nine to five kind of guy. Never will be, never was. Yeah. It's such a romantic endeavor and it's so for me really refreshing to meet other people or to like as I get older and the you know, every single day is another day of asking myself, like, what the fuck are you doing? And not in like such a like a negative way as it possibly used to be, but but kinda like, okay, like how do you make this this reality last another day? Yeah. Because it's kind of a dream in a lot of ways. It's there's nightmarish parts of it, yeah. And and those nightmares can be like extreme, but like it's a dream in a lot of ways. And how do I keep getting the dream to keep going? And like for a lot of people, the nightmare outweighs the romanticism. Yeah, I mean, secure, security is so important for normal people. Yeah, and what what is it that makes you not 
I crave think that. maybe it's because I didn't have it really you as a never kid either. I just yeah. never had it. And so like, I've always been comfortable in kind of like the chaos. I've always been like, a, I'm on a roller coaster. Let's put our hands up and just see where this takes us. Yeah. I don't care. I'm like, a wee. This yeah. is, and you're right. It fucking sucks sometimes. For sure. You know, like I'm breaking down on the side of the road, being in scary people's houses, fighting promoters for money. Like, like that shit is not fun. No. But it's all the other stuff that is so fun and so awesome. And it makes like, I don't know. It's the fucking best. Like, and doing all this comedy stuff has been such a trip for me because it is being by myself a mm -hmm. lot of the time. And, I mean, you do solo stuff, so it's like, being in a band is great because it's like you're a gang of thieves, basically. It yeah. feels like, it's like you're a, a team. It's like a, a team sport. Bandits, yeah. And, but doing the comedy stuff, you're pretty much by yourself, which can be lonely and scary sometimes, but when it goes really well... All that glory is yours. Yeah. Because you wrote it. You performed it. It's all you. You know, like the last show I had before before Corona yeah. was uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And it was dope. It was packed. And it was like that. We kind of didn't know, like, is the show even going to happen? Because it was right when Corona was starting. Mm -hmm. Like uh, New York had shut down, but nowhere else had. Okay. Yeah. And, and I was there and we're like, oh, fuck, I don't know. I'm going to go. It hasn't canceled yet, so I'm going to go. Yeah. And so I felt like I already had, a, I rented a car. I already had the car. I had everything all set up. And I went and it it was kind of like the comedy, uh, the, there was a big club down the street and they closed. Mm -hmm. They sent the headliner back to LA and they closed. So this bar was packed. It was like the only game in town type of vibe. Yeah, those, that's a good place to be it was great and cincinnati is a fun town i love cincinnati. anyway and so and i know a couple people there so that was great and it was fucking packed they got this like this dj from the radio to be the dj and like just like 45 year old black dude and like i like i just went up and it was like the energy was so hot in the room that i was just fucking swinging for the fences and i was hitting oh man that's awesome and like i just look i knew i was doing well because when you see like a Literally a 45-year-old black dude hunched over in laughter at the crazy shit I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, talking about my uncircumcised dick and fucking... <laughs> and also, you know, sorts of crazy shit. And and I, I keep looking over and I can hear him and I see him because he's in the DJ booth. Like, hunched over laughing. I was like, oh, I got, I got him. Yeah. And it was like, that was all mine. Uh-huh. I was so nervous. I thought the show was going to get canceled. It got it off to a slow start. I was like, oh, these people are going to hate me. Uh -huh. I, I, yeah. I knew the comics in the room. I didn't know any of the audience members. There was like 200 people there. You know, I made some money. I had a good time. I got wasted. It was great. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's definitely that, like, that aspect of not having anyone to share it with. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, part of me doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, because when I did have people to share it with, it was also like, I've just always felt like I'm the one always doing all the work. Yeah. You know, and it's like I might not be writing all of the music, but, but yeah, it is kind of, I don't know, to do comedy or be a solo performer, you got, you have to want that. You, you, it's a, doing comedy is such a weird fucking thing. And, and I think one of the reasons I was drawn to it in the first place, I've always, and I've always been like a funny guy, right? Yeah. I've always been that. But like the reason I was drawn to it is kind of back when I started, Comedy was like 
where like the the uh, the dregs of society went. Like every every comedian at the shitty comedy club in Tucson, Arizona. Shout out to Laughs. I still that's where I started. I still love it there. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone who was coming through Laughs back then, every headliner was like a felon, mm-hmm. an ex-con, uh, someone in recovery. Like they were all like they weren't normal people. And the, all, all these headliners that were like they weren't like Ivy League graduates, and they weren't like they they weren't rich kids. They weren't trust fund kids. Like a lot of the people you see in New York now, and like comedy was so different back then they were outlaws yeah they were blue collar they were blue collar outlaws and it was great and i loved it and i was that's what i was really drawn to it was like oh these are people that i totally fit in these are fucking pirates yeah i'm a fucking pirate (laughs) and i love it because i i I, when i started comedy i was i thought i was done with music forever okay i was like fuck i had a bad breakup you know because i put so much into that into those, those, those early thing bands. The divorce you'll ever have. Absolutely. Still, it not. still feels that way. Yeah. I'm still friend, I'm friends with almost everyone from that band. And it still feels like a divorce when I see him, you know? And uh, so in that gap, I started doing comedy and I was like, oh, this is where I belong. Because uh-huh. when I started, I didn't write any, I just went up there and just started talking and it was working. <laughs> I look back on it, I see those early tapes and I'm like, oh God, this is terrible. Yeah. This is so gross. What was I thinking? But it's just that like thing where it's like, oh no, I'm stubborn enough, and I, this is what I want. That I'm gonna go through like, well, the way it really started was the first show. I was wasted drunk. I was working at a bar. We started a comedy night because another bartender wanted to do it, and he he was a dude who played drums in a band and, and started doing jokes, uh-huh. right? And I was like, I, I said to him one night, I was like, man, I want to try jokes. Will you help me? I got all these thoughts. Will you help me like put them together in joke format? It's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And I was on a fucking date at this fucking bar and he was like he called me up on stage and it was the first night of the show of the of that it was the first night of the new show so he had gotten a bunch of people there uh-huh and i was like fuck no get out of town and he was like come up here now or i'm gonna make this night miserable for everyone and i was just drunk enough that i was like oh sure so i went up and i literally just talked shit and it worked people were laughing i don't even remember what i talked about i compared like I talked about fucking strippers or like, and I compared a vagina to the Sarlacc pit in star Wars. Oh, man. That's only thing I remember. And I was up there for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And, but it worked. So I got that rush. I was like, Oh shit, I can do this. Went back the next week, worked again. I was drunk. I don't know what I talked about. I was up there. People were loving it. And I was like, Oh comedy. I got this. I'm the next big thing, you know? Yeah. But then I went to a, laughs. I went to the comedy club. And I with no jokes. I was just, oh, I'll just wing it. I'm just gonna talk some shit. And I get up there and I fucking ate shit so bad. For like, I ate shit for like the next two years. Yeah. <laughs> that first first like month of doing comedy was great, and then I ate shit for literally like over a year. Well, and what kept you, what keeps you going through eating shit for that long? Because I've I've. I did comedy one time and it was just because this comedy show was closing for after like 10 years. And I went to like the last two years of it to support my friends and was like, I'll get up. And it like got a couple laughs just because it was like friends. Yeah. I wouldn't, I don't, I would never like do that every week. What, what made you want it? I I just was chasing that dragon of those first few shows of having the, my random thoughts out of my head come out. And having people resonate with them and laugh and enjoy it, right? Uh-huh. 
it was like music, but so much more direct. There was no practice. There was no equipment. There was no, you know, there was no anything. And so I was like, oh, I'm just in it. And it was great. And so I was just chasing that dragon yeah. of those early shows. And I'm, st I'm stubborn. If I, I like, I'm not good at anything really. Yeah. I'm either. just so stubborn that I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. Like raw talent is not something I like, I can't think of anything that I've ever had just like m more raw talent at than anything. Like, like, yeah. you know, you meet those people that are just like, Oh yeah. Unbelievable. I'm, but I'm, I've always been the most stubborn or the one that's just like, okay, well I'm just going to do it a thousand more times than you. I'll figure that, it out. That's yeah. how I'm going to, that's how I'm going to figure this out. That's exactly how I am. And, and that's, I think that's what it was. And I've, I was like, I had gone back to school and I was bartending and I was going to school and I just, I was going to do like filmmaking maybe. I, yeah. I, I didn't really have any passion. I just was going to go to, what could I do? And, oh, that might be fun. So I'm in school. I fucking hate it. I'm doing all right. It's paid for, yeah. you know, like I'm not spending any money, so it's not that big of a deal, but like, like I fucking hate it. And then I, I start dabbling with comedy and that fucking goddamn Budweiser thing happened. Oh yeah. Please let's, can we go into a little bit of detail yeah. about all this? Yeah. Cause so that fucking Budweiser thing happened and we won. I basically, I won a national drinking contest. Okay, right? so but Budweiser it, held a contest. It was what it was was it was a casting call disguised as a drinking contest. The reward was a hundred thousand dollars and a reality show. Oh, okay. So me and my friends sign up for it, taking it as a joke, and all we're doing, it was like a it was it was like message board type stuff and like voting and the country would vote, right? People would vote on it. And we're just all, me and my friends are literally just making jokes and making funny videos. Yeah. Like not taking it seriously at all, but all it starts getting some traction. And it's just online, right? There's mm -hmm. like 60,000 people signed up for this thing. And, and we're making jokes and there's like challenges. It's like, oh, do this, do this. And we start doing it and we start picking up steam. And I was like, oh, wait, hold on. We're in the top five nationally on this, on their site. And it's just us like literally just being total jack offs. Yeah. Like just making jokes, like it's not we're taking like people are taking it seriously. It's a lot of money, you know, hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, for sure. And so we're just taking, and all of a sudden we get we 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 qualify to go. They start have regional competition. So there's 24 regions uh -huh. around the U.S. and they call down everyone who was in the top 10 of that region. So they sent us up to Phoenix, and there's just this com it's like set up almost like a road rules or like it's a newlywed game. There's all this uh -huh. shit. We walk into Phoenix, and it, uh, James and Ski Bar are in the bled at the time. Yeah, okay. And so I drove to pick them up from a gig in California, right? They finished a gig, drove them back to Phoenix. We went in this thing, and we slaughtered this competition. Like, we walked in, and everyone knew we already won. Like, I jump on the bar, take my shirt off, slam a beers. They are playing, like, a rock band guitar hero yeah i snatch it out of somebody's hand like put it behind my head like total hams yeah totally we we just demolish phoenix right yeah and so now we get to the point where wait we might win this thing they get a flight out of phoenix to go back on tour oh man <laughs> the next stop right and so i go back home and then they they, they call us up there they're sending us to vegas so they send the four of there's four of us 
and they and we start making videos like I, I, I there's some on on YouTube still but like like workout montages and we made, we wrote a song you know we're all musicians so uh-huh. we wrote a song they were looking for the best party crew in America is what they called it oh yeah yeah and so that's what <laughs> we were doing this whole thing it's crazy they sent us to Phoenix to Vegas and we demol- it's like four days in Vegas just all it's all they're filming a reality show so it's all interviews in the morning all these fucking contest and we're smoking all of them basically yeah we win the finals it's great we get paid a bunch of money but i because it's um anheuser-busch hired a production company to do the whole event yeah and they all they love us and they love me and they're like god you guys are so fucking funny what is this who are you guys where'd you come from this is crazy and i'm like so into it. i was like oh i'm gonna be famous this is my big break right yeah it's more money than I've been made in a year, in a year, in two years, and I'm getting it over for over one weekend. You know. Yeah. So I stay in contact with the production company. I pitch shows to them. Like it's crazy. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna actually be a stand-up now. And that's when I like started taking. That's right when and when I was doing the stand-up and it was getting. I was like, oh, I'm confident. I'm gonna be. This is my job now. Yeah. You know, and so that's why I like stuck with it so hard. There was that too. Yeah. I also had money, and I got they put us on the cover of like the Tucson Weekly. We were in Rolling Stone. That's dope. For being sh- really jack offs is the only way I can think about it. Drinking very well. Drinking well and being funny while doing it. Oh my god, that's that's the dream. So but it was like that. It was it was that coupled with hating college, not being in a band, and finding this new thing. I really liked comedy. And it all kind of happened, and now here we are, fucking ten years later, and I live in New York. <laughs> well, and what did those ten years look like? I mean, you know, like, well, well, in uh, in Arizona, I, in Tucson especially, well, it's like, I hit the ceiling in Tucson pretty quick. When is so? Was this like 2010 that the Budweiser thing yeah. happened? Okay, yeah. I was just trying to put it in context as to like. Yeah, where, yeah, it was like 2010 is right when that happened. Okay, the end of 2010, and then so I'm I'm in Tucson, and I you know it's like. There's like 50 comedians in Tucson, so I ascend pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and then I started doing shows in Phoenix, right? And then there's like there's like 500 comedians in Phoenix, right? Uh-huh. There's 10 clubs or eight clubs or something like that. <clears throat> so I'm going up to Phoenix a lot. I'm doing. I started doing a little bit of regional stuff, and it's going great. But I'm like, okay, I'm moving to. I gotta move. Yeah. And I was like, do I go to L.A. or do I go to New York? And for whatever reason, I came to New York. Yeah. Um, I came to New York, and then New York hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Like, I was like, it was like dead in the tracks. I was like, oh, wait, maybe I'm not that good. And like, Dude. It was, it was pretty rough. That first year in New York was pretty rough. I mean, it's taken me about a little over five <laughs> to, to really feel like I'm like, I feel as comfortable as I did leaving Salt Lake, but in New York now. Oh, that's good. And it's taken five yeah. and a half years. Yeah. And I don't have any evidence to back it. Like, I could sell out shows in Salt Lake before I left. I can't get 30 people to a show here. <laughs> yeah, right? So, you know, yeah, it's a struggle. <laughs> yeah, so so there's no, like, real evidence. But, like, me, as con- like, I'm, I'm as confident in my craft yeah. as I was five and a half years ago. Yeah, it's probably take, it took you that long to it build up your confidence. It took me this long yeah. to get back to where, like, I already was. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm glad I moved to New York. But it definitely like took all the wind out of my sails when I got here. Oh yeah, it's a fucking beast. It, everyone it's says amazing. it too. Everyone tells you. Yeah. Well, it's not near as hard as everyone tells you it's yeah. gonna be. As far as like, I put off moving to LA or New York for 
years because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to afford it because I was so broke in Salt Lake yeah. where my rent was 250 bucks a month. <laughs> right. But I had never learned, I'd never worked in the service industry. And like when you're making like 12 bucks an hour swinging a hammer, like 250 bucks is a lot of money. Yeah, that is a lot of money. You know, so it's like, uh, Moving to New York, the financial thing, I was like, I, I don't know I if was I could ever about that do too. that. Yeah. I got, that's why I got into bartending, and I'm glad I did, because I don't know if I'd have been able to do it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's not as hard to just to afford to live here as you think it is. Yeah. It's just hard as fuck to do anything. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah, it, 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 took, it, it, like, it took me a minute to, to, get, to get back where I was feeling good about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought about quitting. Everybody I moved here with quit, you know? I'm yeah. Like, yeah, you moved here with a, a there was a crew of two people crew of us, yeah. here around the same time. Yeah, and they all, they all, they have all quit and they're all living good lives. Yeah. You know, but like, it did me well. And, and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I moved here because the best comedians in the world are in New York. Yeah, when you talk about that compulsion, to just get on stage and chasing that dragon. Yeah. Where the fuck else can you do it 10 times a week? More, yeah, no, more. You know, you could you do can't. it five times a night if you really wanted to. Yeah, people do that and they're crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i still trying to find my version of that for performing because I really love performing, but I also, it's hard for me to divorce what I believe my self-worth is on like how many people I bring to shows. Yeah. You know, but it's like the reality is like your friends in New York have a hundred friends that are comedians and musicians like it's so you can't take it personally you got to like get there's enough people here to get actual fans yeah i'm just like how do you but how do you do that how do you do that (laughs) what's that like that's why i keep just traveling all over the country to do shows because that's where i have actual fans well for me starting my own show bushwick bears really changed what comedy looked like for me in new york yeah, and how did that come together? Like, did Matt start producing that from the get-go? Well, Matt, Matt Ott and uh, Graham, who I moved here with. God Graham bless you, knew Graham, Matt. If you're listening. Uh, what's that? It's God bless you, Graham, if you're listening. I you sure hope you. so. I'm going to send this to him. Graham, you're the best. I miss you. Um, well, Graham worked with Matt Ott's girlfriend. Oh, okay. And that's how they met. And then, then the three of us decided we should do a show. And Matt was really helpful in the beginning, like a finding venues, mm-hmm. you know, and he's a really good producer. He, that's what he does for a job. He puts, you know? Yeah. He's good at making shit happen. Yeah. Like, I don't know where to, I wouldn't, especially back then, I wouldn't even know where to start on finding a venue. And he found us like three cause they all kept falling through, you know? Yeah. And so that was cool, but that gave me something to offer. Not only something to offer, but something for myself. Like every week I knew. Even if I had a really bad week with no shows, I could do, I'd have my show at the end of it. Yeah. If I couldn't get booked anywhere, you know, and in the beginning it was really hard. It's not as hard now, but well, before Corona. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. There are no shows. So. Yeah. That's a, uh, oh man, that's a weird, I don't know what, when can I start booking shows again? You know, when can we? Well, I have friends, I have friends in the middle of the country starting to do comedy like this week. But it's like all the cases are spiking everywhere. Yeah, so might, there like, might be a stop again. I don't know. I I just, it's weird. It's a fucking. It's like the weirdest time of any of our lives, for sure. It's, and then like in a <laughs> weird way, I'm like, I'm for it. I'm into it because of like it's forcing people to realize like how fucked up everything is in a lot of ways. And like, 
I don't think our government could have done, could have tried and done a worse job. Yeah. It's just been like across the board so irresponsible and just fucking trash. Uh, from like, yeah, from Jump Street, it's been awful. Yeah, and it's like I mean not to not to discount every all the hard work that's being done by a lot of people. Yeah, it's just like a fucking leadership void. It's I don't know I don't know. That's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, this podcast is about sleeping in truck stop parking lots and. A sweet, healthy woman. <laughs> a sweet, healthy woman to maybe let you cuddle up to on a cold, dark night. Oh man, that's uh, <laughs> that's that doesn't happen as often now that I'm not drinking. <laughs> yeah, no, we've talked about that. I can't even imagine. There's so many situations in my life I wouldn't have been involved in if I wasn't drinking. Most of them. Yeah, that's kind <laughs> of the, just the goal now for yeah. me is realizing like, oh, the the quickest path to the worst version of me is just like a lot of booze so if i yeah. just remove all of that it's like uh i definitely know. drink a lot less than i used to yeah that's for sure that's just i think that's just getting older you know yeah i mean i think that's kind of where i was it's like you could keep doing this or you could just kind of reclaim like your mornings <laughs> yeah right i love being drunk but fuck i hate being hungover yeah that's the worst part honestly i think i don't even think i'm the worst drunk of my friends but the hangover is just not worth it for me anymore <laughs> fucking a man do you have any rules of the road like like i have a rule that um one is like you, rule number one is don't break the law when you're breaking the law i love that that's a great rule you know Those like you, you break back. one law at a time you're yeah. usually all right but if you're gonna be carrying weed in your car make sure your brake lights work yeah oh i always am like First thing, I always check the car for any. I I I don't ever want to get pulled over. No. So I first thing, like any car I get, I check all the lights, registration, uh, make sure everything's in working order because I do not want to get pulled over ever. Dealing with the cops is always the worst. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that that'll put a damper on your your tour real quick. Yeah. I, I've lucked out and had very little like real ramifications from running into the cops but i also am just like a like walking white privilege like yeah. a six foot white male like you know what i mean yeah. it's just like yeah i mean cops call me sir that's I, just because uh, they know i'm fucking badass man. i have my one of my things is like <laughs> i always trust my gut yeah if my if my gut tells me like and this is always like and if you're not drinking you probably don't you don't have to deal with this anymore but it's always the sketchy situations almost always just happen after the show. Totally. And after hours or like certain people want to hang out with you. Cause you're like me, I'm a party guy. I talk about partying. I'm fun to be around and I like partying, but if, if I'm in a situation with some people and my guts going like, don't do this, I leave. Yeah. I never question my gut. Yeah. And you don't have to be offensive at all. It would just be like, Oh, this other thing came up or whatever. Yeah, no. And I always like, or if my gut tells me go do that, I'll go do it, and good things have happened because of that, you know? I really believe that there's something about, like, I don't know about karma, or, like, I don't know what to call it, but, like, for the traveler, the pirates, the, the guys, or the, the people, the humans that are just out there taking those risks, like, life rewards the risk taker. I, I agree, think. yeah. And I think that's, if being on the road or doing this sort of thing, the thing holding you back is afraid of what could happen that's yeah. like the worst thing be it's, it's like ridiculous because like 
you should be doing it for like what could happen. Yeah, that's all. I've always I don't I don't know why or how that got instilled in me, but it definitely has. Like I 100% am like I'm I live my life by those like, you know, it's better to fucking beg for forgiveness than ask permission. Oh yeah. Like I just do shit. I go because I have FOMO so bad that like I couldn't even imagine. And it's always like I've never life's not gonna has never given me anything, you know. Like I've had to go and get it. Uh huh. And so that fear of like, well, what if it doesn't work out? I was like, it's not working out now. I said I was listening to a podcast. A, it was a Joey Diaz podcast, and he you know he got he didn't get famous till like he was in his fifties. Oh, really? Yeah, he, like, you know, he did a long prison sentence. He was mm -hmm. a heroin addict. Like, he he had a lot of struggles in his early life, and, like, he got famous in his 50s, you know? But he said this thing. He was like, I, he said the thing. He's like, I didn't really ever care. He was like, worst case scenario, I'll, I'll bartend forever. Mm -hmm. And then I had this moment where I was like, wait, I'm living someone's worst case scenario right now. Yeah. You know, and that's my life. And you're, it wasn't not that bad. No, it's like great. I, I can provide. I don't work that hard. Girls talk to me. I get to drink. Like it's not that bad of a life. No, bartending's a great job. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's not a bad life. But this guy who I admire and his work and like he's one of the funniest people on the planet. I was li I'm living his worst case scenario. It's my life right now. Mm -hmm. And so that resonated with me because I was like, well, fuck it. What do I got to lose? I can always just be a bartender. Mm -hmm. I can always just find a job and have a little apartment. You know, I'll always be fine as long as my body works and I'm a big, strong, healthy guy. Yeah. So that's why I was like, really like, that's why I keep pushing it and putting shit out there. And, and, and you know, like I'm in bands again. I'm in two fucking bands that I really like and I'm, trying to like you know before all this corona shit i was like road heavy i was booked out for months like i was really going for it because it's like like i said i can always my regular life was already somebody's worst case scenario yeah <laughs> and i i can always come back to that you know there's so much there's so much in that so much being able to be like i could always do this the thing that i'm doing right now will always be here yeah. like salt lake city will always be there unless the yellowstone thing happens yeah. but but like, like we're in a weird time the world is, might yeah end tomorrow so yeah i guess maybe i shouldn't say that but in theory in theory yeah the 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 12 dollar an hour swing and a hammer job will always be there will always be there you know it's um what, what are you so damn afraid of you know what are you so damn afraid of you know i don't have like a family and kids and i'm really thankful but those were I made. I, there was a choice I made to not do that. Yeah, I've made hundreds of choices throughout the past. Good, really good relationships, meaningful relationships. I've lost or given up because of that. You know? Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's a family business. Uh, I'm rambling. I'm a rambling yeah. man. That's my my grandpa was one of those guys that like we still don't. You know, he had like three different names. He really? Was, he like he had another family in the south. That we found out about later. He's one of those guys. He was just a rambling man. It's, it, we don't, I don't, who knows what his real fucking, if his real name is what it was, you know? He, like I said, he had three different names. Well, I want to talk to you. How much do you know about that? Not a lot. I've oh, asked him not? out, but I mean, like, I, I knew he died when I was like 
eight or nine. Oh, okay. So I knew him, and I had a relationship, but I was like, his name was like, his name was Oscar sometimes. Some people called him David. Some people called him Slim because he was 6'6". Six, six. Really? He was 6'6 six, six with a big old beer belly. He looked like a fucking spider. <laughs> Some people call like Oscar. I was like, well, what was his name? And my mom, because it was his, it was, that was her father-in-law. My dad's passed now too, okay. but. Uh, so I, so I'd be like, well, what was his real name? And she's like, I don't know. I had, I, he had D- David or Oscar, you know, and sometimes they, you know, David sin is my last name. So it was like, was it from that? And they're like, where was he from? And then like, I think Texas, maybe Arizona. Oh, I heard he maybe was from Georgia, you know? And like, he was a, he was a cowboy. He was a hobo for a while, just a train hopping drifter. Yeah. He was in the war. He did do, he did do a lot of time in Europe. Okay. When he'd get drunk, he drank till the end of his life. I mean, he lived to be fucking 90 years old. Wow. And he drank up until he was about 88, 89 years old. Yeah. And he would get drunk and he'd bring out his the map of Europe and he would show where he w- they went and where he was at and he would talk about it. Wow. He was a professional poker player for a while. He just, you know, and then when he found out he had this whole other family that lived in... Um, Where's, where's Mobile? That's Alabama. That's Mississippi. Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. They had a whole other family in Alabama that I didn't know about until I was in high school. It, time's, time's a weird thing. And, all, and we, like, best case scenario, you get 90 years, like your grandpa. Yeah, best case. And, like, the first 20, you usually don't get to choose what you do. Yeah. You know, you're doing high school and whatever. Yeah. And a lot of people think I'm fucking crazy because I decided to just do my own shit forever. But, like, I'd rather spend the next 50 to 70 doing my own shit. Yeah. I want to ask you, do you have, a, like, a favorite story from tour? Or if you can remember a specific night that was, like, fuck, like, I, I could do this forever. There are a few. I don't know why this one came up earlier. I mean, I've never talked about this on a... On, a, on anything um, I thought about this there's there's so many fun ones and so many great ones but there was one night where I was in Chicago and we had made friends with this band called oh my god right mm-hmm. they played in Tucson and they were incredible they're such a good band I was like holy shit these guys are like next level yeah one of those bands but we made friends with them. we did a, played a shitload of shows with them over the years and so we're in Chicago, and we stay at the one one of the dudes' house. Lets us stay there, like we, we let them stay with us. This is like great, you know, great. Those kind of relationships are what touring is all about, for sure. And I wake up to them rehearsing and writing, which ended up being one of my favorite one of their songs. Oh, cool! They're down in the basement rehearsing, and I can hear it. And I'll always remember that moment of waking up and just listening to like one of my favorite bands of all time. Now, yeah. still to this day writing and rehearsing one of my favorite songs they've ever written. And we're just sitting there and I'm just sitting there just listening. And it's like that kind of, that's such a special moment because normal people don't ever get to see that kind of shit. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like listening to them from the basement and staying in their house, Uh huh. you know, like just shit like that. There's so many cool moments like being on tour where you never know what it's going to work out and it works out way better than if you could have even imagined. And it's always crazier than you would have, like, yeah. like stranger than fiction. You know, like, it's crazier than you would have imagined it to be. And you're like, all right, okay, yeah. <laughs> cool. Like, the one time, I was in L.A. one time, and dude wasn't even at my show, 
ran into him on the street, and it's a, a, a the best friend from growing up of one of my close friends. Uh-huh. Right? So we, we've all lived in different cities, but we know each other. I was like, what the fuck? And he's like, what the fuck? He's like, hey, do you guys want to go to Slash's birthday party? What? Or like, what? And he goes, yeah, yeah. It's I'm going to go. It's at this place called the Spider Room in, in L.A. or whatever the fuck it was called. And I was like, yeah? And like, we were broke touring. I had $8 in my pocket going yeah. to this party. In, in Hollywood, like big bouncer, velvet rope, people waiting to get in, waved past. Wow. He was like doing some music production. I don't know how it even happened. Yeah. Walk in and like Kirsten Dunst is drunk, stumbling down the stairs. I'm walking, I see like all the dudes from Poison. Like, I'm like, like where <laughs> the fuck am I right now? Yeah. And it was like literally just because of my friend, I ran into my friend on the street. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, let's go to this party. Let's go do this thing. And that's, and because you don't have to work tomorrow. <laughs> right. It's like, well, we got to drive to fucking Sacramento, but that's like five hours. Yeah, so yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's so much fun. Those are like, those are, there's so many great stories like that. And like so many good times, you know, like I fucking, I went to Super Bowl party at Stanhope's house, at Doug Stanhope's house. That was wild. Oh, I bet. The reason the dude, like, he lives in this little town, Bisbee, Arizona. Bisbee, yeah. And the whole reason I started doing comedy, and then I get invited to his house for the Super Bowl, and, like, wild. I just did so many drugs and just <laughs> partying. It was so much fun. A bunch of weirdos, and I slept there. Like, it yeah. was wild times, you know? Like, no, that's, damn. Those are the, the things that the civilians don't always get to experience. Yeah. So, yeah, no offense to civilians, but. <laughs> Don't be scared. Just do what you're going to do. Do what you want. It all seems to work out. I mean, unless what you want is to, like, hurt people, then go fuck yourself. But, like. Totally. Or if what you want is to, like, be in Motley Crue. Or, yeah. you know. That's, like, like one like, in a million. Th know? That's one in a million. That's just not going to happen anymore. Like, I don't. Like, I don't think that'll ever happen again. Yeah, because Motley what Crue. What are you, Post Malone? Post Malone's the closest thing? Yeah, totally. And Post Malone's actually good. I don't think Motley Crue was ever any good. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but, yeah, like, the 80s hair band, like, that kind of rock star thing is it's, was never, like, a. It was never realistic. It wasn't, like, a realistic business model. Totally. It was definitely not. And that, like, you mentioned that you're friends with James, the guys from The Bled. Yeah. And that was, like, when I was in high school really going to shows a lot, they were one of my favorite bands. And I go, went to a lot of their shows. And they were one of the Arizona bands that was kind of, like, yeah. doing it all around that time. Yeah, yeah. And I think at that time, because I had done promoting as, at shows, yeah, I could do the math and be like, you know, there's not, like, a fuckload of money to be made doing what they do. But it looks like a fuckload of fun really good time yeah yeah and uh, yeah here, here we are fucking how you know there are later. things i wish i did differently but I, I wouldn't change i wouldn't i don't regret anything yeah at least i've like went for it i'm still i mean i'm still going for it you know for sure and i can and one thing that i used to stress a, about a lot and it would keep me up at night and i think it was the guilt of not doing the thing not or the guilt of like not conforming or yeah. not making just the, the just the guilt of, of of like you feel bad for you feel selfish which is like fucking stupid that's all societal bullshit yeah but it used to keep me up at night because i'm like i'm gonna hurt someone someday because of this and now looking back and being like 
I've been an asshole plenty of times, but I, ne- I don't think I've ever really hurt anyone. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever, um, like, made anyone else's lives worse because well, I was out like, doing what I, I was doing. So, well, I don't know. This has been a great talk. That was awesome, man. I'm, I'm Thanks trying, for having me. Oh, there's a... Okay, do you have any tips like this that, like... Uh, Continental breakfasts at hotels. You don't have to stay there, but oh, no, trying just, to sneak in during those hours. I feel like with anything on earth, if you just act like you're supposed to be there, mm-hmm. most of the time nobody's going to fuck with you. And if they tell you to leave, then you just leave. But you're right. Like get, get Continental breakfasting, that's such a good trick. Just walk in. You'll get free breakfast. Continental breakfast, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, and are they going to, like, I mean. There are, there are a bunch of, like, you can almost find... Um, in New York, it was easy. Like, there's a bunch of bars that had like free happy hour food. Yeah, that was always a good trick. Like, find the bar that has the happy hour with like the free food. They don't exist as much anymore. Yeah, college it used to be, towns like, everywhere, but college like towns, midnight like, hot dogs on Fridays. Oh things yeah, things like it's that. Great. I love like here. There's that bar Rudy's. It gives you a free hot dog with everything. Oh yeah. Drink. And I'm gonna drink. So the alligator lounge with the pizza. With the pizzas. Yeah. yeah. So it's like just if you look that kind of shit up, you can. There's weird shit like that. It's so many dive bars. There's free chili Fridays or whatever. There's just literally a crock pot and some paper bowls. And most and people are afraid to, to eat the Frito pie or whatever, but it's usually fucking delicious. It's usually fucking delicious. It's yeah, and it's better than cup of noodles when that's all you've eaten. Yeah, no, I always I, I love the free food, <laughs> at places. Yeah, and there, and there are a lot of bars like, and I cause I love dive bars. I go to fucking dive bars. Totally, that's like my thing. It always has been, and like, uh, they don't. They used to be more prevalent, but you can still find them out there. Totally, free happy hour food or cheap happy hour food. Yeah. That's uh, that's uh, keeping it skinny, like keeping the the overhead low is is the oh, name of the game. Absolutely, you can get real far in life with a, a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter. For sure, some I do tortillas, peanut butter, and honey. That's good, yeah, and with some, maybe some big bag of trail mix. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's uh, there's a yeah a lot of different ways to. Just that's a good one, like the, keeping that in your car and eating that like. It's healthier for you than fucking fast food. Fast food every day and like going to the grocery store and getting like buy a banana to go on that that and it's healthier. You got to like yeah, and on the road, like I'm I'm really bad at this, but like I'll I'll fluctuate. I'll gain like 20, 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. Cuz I'm just eat, drinking fucking Red Bulls and eating fucking cheeseburgers. Yeah, yeah. I always come home from the road with a gut, yeah, and always. usually just because like I, you drink way more on the road than yeah. I, I would here. It's just because you, that's just you're just hanging at bars. Yeah. And now that I don't drink, I, I don't think it. I fluctuate as much. Yeah. But it's still like I, I don't. I mean, I'm drinking an energy drink now, but I usually don't. I just drink coffee at home, and yeah, on the road it's just harder to stay healthy. This is the thing, and this is I sound like an old man because I am, but this is the thing <laughs> I was doing in type fright. And I didn't do it enough, but it was helpful. It was really trying to exercise on the road. Yeah. Like, even if you just do some calisthenics and some push-ups, before, like, it helps so much. Because you're just, when you're really going for it, you're, all you're doing is you're sitting in the van all day and then getting wasted drunk at night. I mean, that was me, but, like, mm-hmm. I'm just getting drunk. And the last few typewriter tours, we had a dude who was sober who would drive. So, I'd be getting just hammered. Yeah. But then it's you feel like shit so much and just some exercise in there really helps. Just sweat it out if you need to. Yeah, like I'd literally be in parking lots doing push-ups and squats and shit, 
and some jumping jacks or jump. I bring a jump. I try to bring a jump rope with me on tour now. Yeah, that's a good move. Just in the parking lot, just to do for fucking three minutes. If you can do three minutes of jump roping, that's like running two miles or something. They said. You oh know? really? Something like that. I lo- I saw it on the internet. Everything on the internet's true, right? For sure. <laughs> it, well, that's I've been doing the. I used to do the Planet Fitness thing mainly just to shower, but yeah. now because I have more time because I'm not drinking. I do the Planet Fitness thing to actually work out. Yeah, it's and that's a game changer. It's hard road, when you're with a group, but like it is solo, hard when you're with a group. But it, you just make it work. And if you're ever in a hotel that has a gym in it, which a lot yeah. do, you know, just do it. Like it really makes such a world of difference. Just a little bit of exercise. Yeah. Well, what's funny is like my stepdad is the prime example of like, in a lot of ways, what I should have been doing all along, and he's been telling me all along, like. Well, you'd feel better if you didn't drink as much and if you exercise more. Because like that's like the sure. whole time I've known him, he didn't really drink much and he exercised right? every day. And I was like, fuck you, Dad. You don't know. Yeah. And like as I get older, being like, oh, the answers were always there. I just had to go through all of the bullshit to finally be you like. You just had to find them yourself. Yeah, totally. Like, fuck, I'm not going to do what you tell me. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, you're right. Totally. Well, it's like. It, you I remember know, my what? mom being like, don't fuck around with credit cards. Like, you don't, I'm better with money than you think I am. Yeah. <laughs> How many times you slip into ten grand of credit cards? Do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, God, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Careful with credit cards. That's the, the other bit of advice. Yeah, yeah. Don't. I'm trying. I've been trying to think about a way to put this into into oh, into words. It's like trying to tour fiscally responsible. It's like just keep that overhead low and actually try and make enough money to cover. Your, if if you're not making any money, you shouldn't have a big ass bar tab. Yeah. If, they're, if they're giving it to you for free, drink away. Totally. But like, if you're spending your whole pay on the bar tab, I mean, that's just me sometimes. Totally, yeah. You know? Well, and that was, I mean, when I was smoking a lot, I smoked a lot of cigarettes, a lot of weed, chewing tobacco. Like, yeah. when I was at my worst, it's like, I, I had a fucking $100 a day habit between weed, tobacco, and booze. Mm. And like, some days you're making 50 bucks profit. Yeah. So what are you doing? Like, and that was the the moment that I kind of like hit my rock bottom or whatever on, on a tour a couple of years ago where it was like this moment of being like, dude, you're in your 30s. You're still doing the same, same shit you were doing when you were 19. Now all of your friends have just abandoned you. Yeah. Like you're just fucking alone doing this shit. And like that moment of like that come to Jesus moment of like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, like, are yeah. you are you just like are because like the party's great, but like is that is that it? Like what yeah. are you doing? You know, and that was for me was like a moment of like, and it's been a long process since, and I'm still working on it. But like, quit fucking around. Like if you're gonna do this, believe that you're good enough, and just go fucking and do actually it. Actually, do it. It's like, I somebody said I don't remember who, but somebody was saying it's like, it's almost worse to give ninety percent than twenty percent. Yeah. Because if you're close enough to giving a hundred percent that you and you just don't give that extra ten percent, what the fuck are you even doing there? That and I think that extra ten percent in most people is a fear of fear of failure slash success. Fear of success. Absolutely. Totally. And I'm I'm in this new mode of like figuring out how to reinvest in myself and like just all of those things yeah. that it's like and every time I feel weird about something, just fucking double down. Double that, lean into it. Yeah, because like nothing's real. I worked for the past ten years, not like a oh poor me type thing, but it's like 
for the past 10 years, you've been working hard and nothing's really worked. Nothing's really happened, but you just didn't work quite hard enough, maybe. Didn't maybe. work hard enough or didn't, didn't, didn't believe in yourself in the right ways or yeah. didn't put the pressure in the right place. And, you know, and part of that is like, yeah, because you shoot yourself in the foot every chance you can. Well, it's hard being your own boss. It's hard to motivate when you're your own boss. But the goal is to be your own boss. Yeah. So it's like you got to fucking do it. You got to get good at being your own boss. You got to send those fucking emails. Yeah. You got to fucking do all the shit. You Book know? the fucking tour. Book order the, the tour, merch. Fucking post on social media. Make the content. You got to do it. If you want to be your own boss, be your own boss. And otherwise, it's just a hobby. And if it's just a hobby, that's fine. Yeah. But it's a lot easier and cheaper and more beneficial if you're just going to have a hobby to just be at a hobby. Yeah. And then you can get a real job and do all that shit. But if it's, if it's not, then fucking go for it. Do it a hundred percent lean in. You've already gotten this far. Totally. If you've gotten this far, you have the talent to back it up. You have something that people have obviously wanted, you know, mm -hmm. you might as well just go all in. Yeah, and and just being smart about it when you do. I went all in just like touring all across the country for years when I didn't really need to, but I didn't really want to do anything else. Yeah. It was more just like almost a running away from shit as it was actually pursuing but something. But you learned from it. I learned a ton. And I, I mean, I wouldn't change a thing about what I did because I think it was perfect for what I needed to do with my 20s. Yeah. But I, to most people, I'd be like, yeah, do the circle thing. Like draw a 50-mile circle around your city and tour that in that circle until until you're like i think we've kind of plateaued here and then, and then draw a hundred yeah. mile circle or whatever you know like i just kind of was like fucking you got me a gig in new york city cool i'll I got, i'll figure everything else out between yeah you know and no, for sure and uh and it was fucking amazing and i had a great time and if that's what you feel like doing then fucking do it like yeah. buy, buy the van hit the road and just go like figure out the fuck you want to do but if you're like chasing some sort of success be smart about it yeah that's my best advice fuck yeah you got it i love it hell yeah chuck cool Wild, man wildcat chuck charles yeah. ellsworth <laughs> the, the third the, the tucson tornado <laughs> the Whatever. twister tucson. I, didn't, I didn't make up any of these names yeah you know yeah well it's been been a pleasure ladies and gentlemen uh jericho davidson check him out that's me plug your uh what's the things that you uh, uh they find you on jericho davidson on all the social medias i do stuff there i do the bushwick bears show in new york city at the stand comedy club or on zoom <laughs> um i'm in a band called uh Butthole University, which is rad. Yeah. I'm in a band called uh, Pretty Bitchin'. Also rad. With Kristen Flamio and Matt Puckett and Will Nolan. Great stuff. I'll check out all that stuff. Jericho Davidson. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm so excited to watch you you drum for Butthole University because it's I didn't fun. get to catch that before COVID. Before COVID, but yeah. I fucking love that band. Butthole University rules, man. So. I can't wait to get that back out there again. Fuck yeah. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Once again, my name is Charles Ellsworth. Uh, if you don't know that, I don't know how you're listening to this. Probably because of Jericho. Thanks for <laughs> checking it out. Um, you can find me on Instagram, charles.smellsworth, Spotify, Charles Ellsworth. Um, yeah, check out the stuff and uh, hit me up if you have any questions about the next episode or things. Take care. Yes. <laughs>